0: Hello and welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ Study Session with Come, Follow Me. I'm your host Matthew Roberts and this is Season 5, Episode 39, uh, sorry 40, of this Daily Study Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us once again today uh, and uh, thanks for listening this week. Uh, Apologies for the slight delay on yesterday's episode, I just forgot to publish it out, uh, but I hope you enjoyed. Today we're going to dive uh, into our new week of study uh, in the Come, Follow Me materials, covering the week of February the 13th to February the 19th in Matthew chapter 5 and Luke chapter 6. And of course, this is um, part of uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Now, this sermon that we call on the Mount is interesting because to to get get some context, we obviously have it in Matthew 5, which is where we'll probably spend most of our time this week, but also in Luke 6, where we have some other experiences to discuss as well. And that episode of this sermon that he gives about Blessed are the poor in spirit, and blessed are the hungry, and so on. Um, It actually says in Luke six seventeen, and he came down with them and stood on in the plain, and the company of his disciples, and a great multitude of people, all out of Judea and Jerusalem, which came to hear him to be healed of their diseases. So Luke six indicates that this sermon was given to a large group. But actually, rather than being on a mount, it was on a plain. Whereas in Matthew, it says very specifically in Matthew 5, 1, And seeing the multitude, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. Interestingly, it sounds like the con- the like the connotation with that is that it was just his disciples that came to him. Whether it was a smaller group or, or a larger group, we're not sure with Matthew 5. But there seems to be this difference of the mount and on the plain. Uh, There's a number of reasons for this. Uh, Matthew, obviously, as we know, uh, his viewpoint, his focus is on showing how Christ uh, was the foretold Messiah. And we know that in the Old Testament that Christ was or this coming Messiah was referred to as a second Moses or one like unto Moses. Um, And as we know, Moses received commandments and the law from God on a mountain. Uh, and this is a direct parallel uh, with Moses, where Christ gives this Sermon on the Mount, this new law to the people, which we know, and as we study today, will be focused on. Yes, keeping the aspects of the older law, but um, doing so internally, doing so with a higher standard, Pretty, ba- basically. Um, and also, um, in terms of Luke and Matthew not quite agreeing on this mount or Plain business, it may well be that Christ just gave a similar sermon at different times. Um, we know that he gave it at other times as well, for example, in the ne- with the Nephites, uh, with slight variations. So uh, it's just an interesting insight and a bit of context, really, for this sermon and why it was so significant and why we need to probably refer to it more often. I know that, you know, in a regular year where we're not studying the New Testament, perhaps, I don't really turn to this very often. Um, but really, this is... Um, the law that Christ gave. This was his major teaching episode that he gave to the people. And actually, after studying it this week and kind of listening to some other studies and uh, reflecting on it myself, you know, this is something we should probably be reflecting on daily. This is a plan to help us to improve and become more like him. Of course, we know that we need to have faith and repent and be baptized and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And those are you know, key principles of the gospel, but these are actual things that can progressively along time, along a period of time, help us to become more like Him. Um, and what we need to recognize is that this is kind of a verses 3 uh, and going forward um, verses, uh, sorry, 3 to 10, no, 11 give us eight steps which, if we follow, can help us progressively become more and more like Him. So let's start with verse three, which says, "Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven." For me, someone who is poor in spirit is someone who recognises um, that they need to they need to change. Someone that uh, needs to. Um, you know, that, that, someone who is poor in spirit is someone that realizes that they are struggling or that they are not where they should be. Which, of course, is all of us, by the way, not necessarily certain individuals that do certain things. Doctrine and Covenants 56 verse 18 says, But blessed are the poor who are pure in heart, whose hearts are broken and whose spirits are contrite, for they shall see the kingdom of God coming in power and great, great glory. So for all of us, that's the first step. Um, in verse three, it says, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now suppose you know for this. This is a recognition not only that we are you know poor in spirit, but that we um, that we need to change. That there must be some action uh, that takes place with that. Uh, in verse five, uh, five, blessed are the meek, for they are for they shall inherit the earth. Meekness is a um, is an important aspect of our discipleship. Um, and Elder David A. Bednar gave a brilliant talk about meekness uh, in uh, April, 2018. Titled um, "Meek and Lowly of Heart," whilst we often link meekness with humility, and I would—I was about to kind of before reading this talk uh, link it directly with humility and say, you know, when we have this poor in spirit and this um, and this mourning that we need to go through, uh, we then are humble enough to start to ask to the Lord to help us make that change. This, uh, by Elder David A. Benno, was interesting. He said, quote, Whereas humility generally denotes dependence upon God and the constant need for his guidance and support, a distinguishing characteristic of meekness is a particular spiritual receptivity to learning both from the Holy Ghost and from people who may seem less capable, experienced, or educated, who may not hold important positions, or who otherwise may not appear to have much to contribute. Recall how Naaman, captain of the king's army in Syria, overcame his pride and meekly accepted the advice from of his servants to obey the Elisha the prophet and wash in the river Jordan seven times. Meekness is the principal protection from the prideful blindness that often arises from pot prominence, position, power, wealth, and adulation. Close quote. I thought that was particularly interesting in that it gives a bit more meaning to meekness and a bit more um definition to what we mean or what Christ may mean when he is saying for us to be meek. It not just to be humble and to listen to direction from from God, although whilst that is an important part, it's about being able to listen to others and be changeable and be able to do that. As we follow these steps, we can then start to hunger and thirst after righteousness, as Christ said, and they shall be filled, in verse 6. L. Ray L. Christensen uh, said this about hungering and thirsting after the things of the Lord. He said, uh, quote, Ordinances of the priesthood are administered, and their purpose taught in what might be termed close revelation. That is, they are not revealed to the unprepared world in an ordinary way. Those who enter the temple hungering and thirsting, as it were, have revealed to them knowledge and understanding of their relationship to God, and they learn what they need to to gain the greatest gift of God, eternal life and exaltation, with their loved ones. Thus, one might in reverence refer to the temple as the university of the Lord." And because God is just, the temple ordinances are administered not only for the living, but also by proxy for their deceased relatives, close quote. Everything, once we have kind of done these first three steps, leads towards the hungering and thirsting, seeking for more, seeking for guidance and direction from the Lord that can help direct and bless our lives. Um, And and I just love this, this idea. And I also love the fact that we've kind of only gone through four of these Beatitudes or four of these uh, kind of steps that Christ gave us, and we're almost at the end of this episode. So who knows how much of these two chapters we're going to get through this week, but they are so rich in meaning, so deep in context that um, I think for us, this is really important. And if anything from this week, I want to come away from this with a greater appreciation for this Sermon on the Mount, particularly the, the Beatitudes, uh, and have them as part of my daily life. And how I'm going to do that, I've got an idea I'll share that with you as the week goes on, but um, you know I think that uh, it's just such a beautiful, um, it's just such a beautiful uh, teaching that the Savior gave, which is not surprising, of course. You know, after all, He is the Son of God. So thank you so much uh, for listening today. Please do join us um, tomorrow as we continue in this uh, deep dive into the Beatitudes and into Matthew six and Matthew five and Luke six. Uh, and please share what you've studied on the Facebook group until we meet again.